0: Us actually today. So, your worship folder has me preaching today, but we've got somebody far better, and well, at least from a greater distance from South Africa, Kwacha Simwaka. And I'll have Steve introduce him later on in the worship service. For now, I just want uh, Steve to come on up and tell us a little bit about Anchored in Truth. Most of you know. About Anchored in Truth, but Steve can perhaps provide a little bit more information. One of the things we decided to do as a church, Steve, was to partner with a mission agency that would help us in missions, and it is a privilege to be a part of Anchored in Truth. Uh, they are a mission effort that is managed through a local church, mm-hmm. and uh, Steve is the director of it, and they actually work Planting pastors all over the world, and he'll tell you later about one of the pastors that he brought with us uh, today. But tell us a little bit about Anchored in Truth. Okay.
1: Thank you, Pastor Wayne. It's a joy to be with you. This is twice. If you were on Zoom Wednesday night, I was with you by Zoom, and now today. And again, I, I appreciate Pastor Wayne and you folks letting us come here at the last moment. And, uh, the church that uh, Pastor Kwacha was going to be preaching in, they had a sudden death there yesterday afternoon, and so the elders called me and said, what do you think? Would it be best to uh, continue with a guest preacher or not? And I said, no, I, I think you guys probably just as a church need to get together and pray for the family. And and so immediately called Isaac. I said, can Pastor Wayne, you guys take Kwacha? He said, yes. And so he got in last night about 11 o'clock in Huntsville. We spent the night, got up early, and drove up here from Huntsville, so it's a joy to be here. Anchored in Truth uh, is the mission arm of Grace Life Church of Muscle Shoals. And as Pastor Wayne said, we are church cent- local church center. We always have been. We always will be. We do not exist without the local church. But it became clear several years ago that we needed to be more organized and structured And so the Anchored in Truth became, as I said, the mission arm of Grace Life Muscle Show. So everything that we do is Grace Life, Anchored in Truth uh, organizes and structures that. Well, then God began to bring people in our lives, uh, um, other people that were interested, and they just were, whatever era they found themselves in, they were not uh, happy and content with where they were doing missions. And so they said, we like what you guys are doing. Would y'all be open? And uh, that began in a journey that caused a lot of travel, a lot of times on the phone. But it's been such a joy, and you guys are the fruit of that as well. And so I'm here to say thank you for what you do, because uh, what you do play a vital role uh, in the life of so many people, not only on stateside but overseas as well. Quatch is here; uh, he gets a monthly stipend support through Anchor Truth, and. A, a, a portion of that comes out of your offering and so you now you can see someone real that is depending on you to hold the rope and i preached at grace life a couple of weeks ago and talked about holding the rope and that's what we do as as people here on stateside you have been holding the rope for kwacha and you've been sending down fresh resources by prayer and financial support and now just by being here today he can see you and uh, to interact with you and so it's a joy to be here so we are involved in many many countries you can go to the anchor truth website and you can see that now you may go on there and say well that guy that was in that blue shirt uh with that gray hair and that that good looking guy that was with us on sunday he's not part of anchor truth because he's not even on the website i'm not on the website because of security issues but i do i'm the vice president do get to oversee and work with these folks and work with all people around the world and it's such a joy and so that's what we do. Now, my last little bit of information I want to give you that we talked about last summer and Wednesday, we hope and pray that God would open up doors of opportunity for us to go and to engage somewhere. Uh, matter of fact, right now I've got five people headed to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to help Josh Tancordo. Y'all know Josh, he's been with you as well. And uh, we got a team going there today. There'll be another team joining them on Wednesday. And then we got another team coming in at the end of the month to help re do the building but one thing i'm hoping and praying that god would open up doors of opportunity for us to go we'd love for some of you to go with us somewhere overseas uh you can go to the website those mission journeys are there and uh, we've got a team now that we need to send to london on the 21st of june uh that's when they drop restrictions when we're supposed to fly out so we hope that happens uh austria with steve missios in october and uh, uh poland in july with max a new work that we started about a year ago we got some we got some work that we need to get over with kwacha as soon as we can get there i'll tell you a little bit more about why he's here and what you can pray for him in just a moment pastor
0: thank you steve thank you for that challenge and i want to remind us too we have a mission offering we take up in the month of december and so we've done that for a number of years and and you have given uh, significantly Uh, in that and we want to thank you for that but we also started doing that as well in the month of July and last year we were able to extend that all the way through August and have some special meetings online and we're planning to do that as well and maybe we can have as many as um, uh, seven or eight uh, meetings whatever you can line up for us at that time So be thinking about that and saving for missions then and as Steve challenged us if you a desire to participate in uh, physically in missions he'll his team will help and we want to let you know we'll help too with uh, our mission budget don't think that you're going to have to fund all of it yourself if you're not able to we have folks that give towards missions and some folks that can actually go and so we want to, to invite both parts so if you have a desire for that uh, let um, uh, Isaac know he's helping to coordinate all of that and uh, Uh, Be in prayer for that. So let's go ahead and go into prayer today to prepare ourselves then to worship Christ this day. Take a moment privately where you're at to prepare your own heart to worship Christ, and then I'll pray for us corporately. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you now as the gathered church. We're thankful that indeed we are able to gather this day. We do pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who have been fenced off, some walled off, some refused to gather, to hear your word, proclaim, to sing the songs, to praise your holy name, to encourage one another, to build up one another. I pray for them. I pray for each one that these churches, though they may be restricted in great way, the gospel is not bound. And I pray even in the midst of difficulty that we will find that your word will flourish. And so we pray for all of those that uh, are in Christ, that desire to worship you today in the spirit and in truth. I pray for us, thankful that we are able to gather gather together and to hear your word read. May it be meaningful to our hearts as we attune our ears to the very truth of the word of God. I pray as we sing these songs that, again, our minds would be engaged to be thinking about the truths in which they convey, that our heart and mind would be Drawn to you, I pray that you bless the preaching of your word. Uh, May it go forth and accomplish what you desire. I thank you for this gift of providence to bring both Steve and Kwachi here. I pray for them, anchored in truth ministry in particular, desiring one thing, and that is for men to preach the word, for people to hear the word, to become... Born again, sanctified, and praise your holy name. I pray as the gospel goes out, every tongue, every tribe, every nation would sing great praises to you. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of this great mission, the mission that you have given to us to make disciples of all nations. I pray, Father, that. You will bless us and keep us and cause us to have our minds focused on you. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, good morning. Let's take our hymn books and stand. And we'll start our hymn singing with number 454. My faith has found a resting place. Women will sing number verse 2 and men with verse 3.
2: Scripture reading today is Psalm 45 and 46, which you will find on page 471 of the Pew Bible. This time of year, we, be, we have been thinking about our Lord Jesus as he completed his mission on earth. Pictures come to mind of his lowly entry into Jerusalem, riding the foal of a donkey, the night in the upper room where he stoops to watch, wash the feet of his disciples, even those of the traitor Judas. And of course, the most profound humiliation of being mocked and abused by those who should have fallen at his feet in worship, ending in the supreme shame of the bloody cross. And of course, at Easter, we celebrate the empty tomb, his glorious resurrection, which secures our hope of our own bodily resurrection. But occasionally, we need the reminder that this is not the end of the story. Our Lord is not merely the itinerant teacher and miracle worker of the gospels as we see in revelation he is returning not mounted on a colt, but on a mighty war horse leading the armies of heaven he is coming not to submit and suffer again at the to the abuse of those who hate him but to deal out swift bloody justice and establish his rule which will last forever in psalm 45 we see our lord jesus as he is and as we will see him one day a majestic king, a heroic warrior, an all-powerful and joyful bridegroom soon to receive his bride. So we'll, we'll start with Psalm 45. My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. You are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and majesty. In your majesty, ride out victorious for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you, let your right hand teach you awesome deeds. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The peoples fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of, right, of uprightness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Your robes are f- all fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. From ivory palaces, stringed instruments make you glad. Daughters of kings are among your ladies of honor. At your right hand stands the queen in gold of Ophir. Hear, O daughter, and consider, and incline your ear. Forget Forget your people and your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty. Since he is your lord, bow to him. The people of Tyre will seek favor with gifts. Seek your favor with gifts, the richest of the people. All glorious is the princess in her chamber, With robes interwoven with gold. In many colored robes she is led to to the king, with her virgin companions following behind her. With joy and gladness they are led as they enter the the palace of the king. In place of your families, uh, in place of your fathers, shall be your sons. You will make them princes in all the land. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. And now, uh, Psalm 46 reminds us that even as we await his return, the Lord is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus as a humble servant, with his glory veiled, for if he had come otherwise, no one would have been able to stand in his presence. We thank you that he has offered the final sacrifice for sin, so that all who take refuge in him are safe from your wrath. And not only that, but we are clothed in his perfect righteousness, so that we, the church, will be made worthy to be presented to him as a holy and spotless bride. Father, help us to grasp the immense joy of this mystery, so that until its fulfillment, it would draw us and keep us close to you, so that we would not fear, though the earth give way. Amen.
1: All four
0: verses, and on that final chorus, we'll sing that a cappella together. So, 447.
1: march a year ago uh, we were having our true church conference quite a bit of you were there and uh, kwacha was there as well and kwacha is residing in south africa and he is not there well you may ask the question why he's been here for over a year now and the reason is is because he is from malawi He's working in South Africa. He does uh, have citizenship in Malawi. He also is a U.S. citizen, but he does not have citizenship in South Africa. And so he is in the process. He and his wife, Amanda, they have four children, four girls, and uh, they are waiting on visa application. There's one paper left, and uh, that is a lot of process that they have to go through. So he covets your prayers. I ask for your prayers because... Uh, we're supporting him monthly and we need to get him back to work so he needs to get back to south africa with his family and i know that's where the heart is with christ seminary Uh, he works and serves there we have a long relationship anchor in truth does with christ seminary and with uh, charlie and now with kwacha and uh it's a joy for him to be here he's a dear friend of mine a dear brother and i knew he was there in los angeles and uh just had an opportunity to come this way isaac had asked could could i come and if you could bring someone associated and so um kwacha was the man and uh glad that he's here he's a graduate of uh, of of the grace seminary uh, at john MacArthur school and um we're glad to have him here and i think you'll be um blessed that he's here and god opened up this door of opportunity kwacha I just love saying that name Kwacha. Kwacha, you come on my brother and preach and the service is yours
3: I would like to um, pass a greetings from Paulo Kwane South Africa uh, the ministry that uh, uh, we are serving with um, we, we went there, we moved there with my wife, like uh, I think in two thousand and nineteen uh, and uh, I think one of the things that probably for people like you who are associated or partner with like anchors and you know you're involved in uh, ministering to all these other ministers all over the uh, the world. And you kind of, you know, of course you're investing in putting prayers through finance. Um, And most of the time you don't get to see probably the actual fruit of what you are part of. Uh, But today it's just one of the fruit that you are able to see with your own eyes. Uh, Because I first went to uh, Christ Seminary, which is a ministry that course, has been involved as Steve has already mentioned, for many years. And as a young man who just needed desperate to know how to teach the Bible accurately and to do ministry God's way. And I had never seen that before. And so I went to school there and they trained me. And one thing you need to understand is that Christ Seminary is able to give like a high level of a good biblical training uh, to people like me and others that cannot afford uh, to pay any of it. Uh, And they're able to do that because of your partnership. And so as you are involved with anchors, and you you need to understand the veracity of the work that you're doing out. And uh, today is part of that fruit that you can see. And so I'm just so thankful on behalf of the Ministry of Christ Seminary even anchors. And we hope that uh, you'll be encouraged even this morning as we are together. Um, I I would say I agree with Brother Layton that I'm, I'm from far, but I'm not going to preach far better than his sermon. And so, um, but I'm excited to be with you today. Um, Before we get into the word, let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful for your kindness and that you are able to enable us to hear your word this morning. And I pray that you open our hearts and that that Lord will be willing to hear what you have to say this morning. And thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. We know many places, they can't have this kind of opportunity, uh, at least in the open as it is right now, uh, to be able to get into your word with different restrictions. And some are going through persecutions, but we can freely be able to hear your word. And that means also, Lord, you ask of us and expect of us to obey. Yes. Thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I saw that Brother Layton has been going, I think, in John. So you probably have been in New Testament. So it would be by God's providence to just take you back into the Old Testament. So if you can, if you turn your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 9. Now I'm going to draw your attention to a text that have captured my Heart when I was reading through this book of Jeremiah, I remember I was with my wife and we were just doing our readings, number readings, and we decided to go through lamentations. And so I just I said, "Oh, you know, you're not going to be able to appreciate lamentation unless we read through Jeremiah. So we went on that um, Johnny, to read through Jeremiah. And one of the texts that stood out is the text that I'm going to be sharing with you this morning. And it will be in chapter 9 uh, of this book. Now, when you look at chapter 9, it's just a continuation uh, of Jeremiah's expressions of sorrow for his own people because uh, these are the people to whom God had sinned. Uh, God had a word for the people of Judah, and he would use Jeremiah as his messenger. So there was a word. And um, the context of that, what we see there, is especially where we are, it's, it's the text that we're going to be working through. It's within that context of Jeremiah uh, expressing his sorrow. And um, you can see clear, because it starts from uh, chapter 8. If you go to chapter 8, I think it's in verse 18. Look at how the tone of this section begins. My joy is gone. Grief is upon me. My heart is sick within me. And that is just an expression of a man who's going in intense Of grief, and this is just the beginning, and it goes on. And I think the question we have to ask is why? What has caused this kind of grief in Jeremiah's life? Well, when you look at there's two ways to look at what really has caused this grief. Number one is, again, that just helps us to just build context here, is that if you look at the condition of the nation, the condition of the nation of Judah, what is the condition? What's the status of Judah right now? What has really caused God to send Jeremiah to speak? Why the words that uh, Jeremiah was given to be that is we see in verse 8, 19, it tells us something. Eight, um, if you go in chapter 8, 19, it says there, Behold the cry of the daughter of my people from the length and breadth of land. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is her king not in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their carved images and with their foreign idols? So right there we see there is a sense of practicing of idolatry that's happening. They're worshiping idols. And exactly when you go back to Exodus chapter 20, on those Ten Commandments, what's the first commandment that God issues? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. End this nation is completely outlawed, involved, preoccupied, serving the very thing that God had prohibited. That is the nation of Judah. And it goes more. If you look in chapter 9, verse 3, there again describing the status of the nation. They bend their tongue like a bowl, falsehood and not truth has grown strong in the land. For they proceed from evil to evil, and they do not know me, declares the Lord. Escalation in wickedness. Progressively going wicked. And that's the status. If you look at chapter 8, verse 5, you see something else there. When why then has the people turned away in perpetual backsliding, so they continually are backsliding, going uh, running away from God. And in uh, verses six and seven continues, it continues, "I have paid attention and listened, but they have not spoken rightly. no man relents of his evil, so no man repents. they keep on." going worse and worse in there, deep and deep in that sin. No man is ever repenting. What have I done? Everyone turns to his own course like a, a horse plunging headlong into the battle. That's kind of the language bio, uh, the language that we see in what? In Judges where everybody does their own thing. That's kind of what's happening here. Even the stalk in the heavens knows our times and the turtle dove, swallows and crane keep the time of their coming but my people know not the rules of the Lord. So that's the condition. What you see that there are indifferent to knowing God. They have no whatsoever desire to know God. They're pursuing their own desires. So that's the condition. But there's something else that would arouse this kind of grief. And that's we see the judgment of the nation that's just pronounced there. The condition of these people that we just looked at, and I think there's even more if you read the whole book of Jeremiah that you can see, this condition necessitates judgment. That's just how God works. And um, in chapter 8, verse 17, it gives us a sneak peek what kind of judgment will they be facing? and 17 it says it says for behold i am sending among you serpents artists that cannot be charmed and they shall bite you now when you think of or so hear serpent what comes into mind is the serpent we saw in numbers chapter 21 when the people of Israel sinned and God sent the serpents, the fairy serpents. And what happened? God, when Moses pleaded with God, God told Moses to set up this bronze serpent. So that if you look to that serpent, guess what? You get healed. That was the case then. But what is unique about this serpent now is that there is no whatsoever antidote. That's how he plans, that's how he designs this kind of judgment. As I said, there will be no charm to these serpents. The status of the nation, the nature of the judgment, Jeremiah sees it. He can't help but run into grief. This is what has brought about this grief that we are seeing here. And then we see in chapter 9, verse 11, talks about destruction of Jerusalem. That's another big one. Because destruction of Jerusalem, guess what it means? The temple has gone. So the text we're looking at is waged in this context. When we are looking at this text, because I'm emphasizing this because this text, uh, which is verse 23, 24, uh, 23, 24, um, they are normally, they, when you read, sometimes they feel like they're out of space because of what he's talking about. But when you look at the context, they are completely connected to what's going on around. So this is where we find ourselves. The status of the nation very wicked. I mean, that's not new. You know, we look at our world today, and we are like so, you know, desperate to see how wicked it's gone. It's progressively evil. Wow, that's not new. Uh, it's been there before, probably even worse-looking judges, and Jirbai is dealing with the same thing here, and this. Chapter 9, verse 23 and 24, that's where I want us to be. I will read all of those texts for us. It says there, remember the context? Thus says the word, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts, Bust in this, that he, know, he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, righteousness, in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Now, look there. As you look at it, the focus in those texts is the word bust in. Bust, repeated four times in those two words. It just can't, our eyes can't just, you know, not be drawn to that. It's just come straight to us. And the word itself there, uh, if, it's tra- it's, it's a, if it's translated from Hebrew, language, it's it, it the word that, you know, we normally are familiar with, That's kind of which we use always, hallelujah. That's that word, itself. self-busting. And I, I think for the most part, you know, we use boasting in the word It has a very negative connotation. But here, the idea of boasting has the idea of praises and glory. And the Bible itself, when it uses this word, it can be used in two ways. One, it can be used in a negative sense, or it can be used in a positive sense. Like for example... And chapter in proverbs chapter twenty seven and verses one through two, it says, that, "Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. So there you see the writer condemning boasting about future, so that word is used in a very negative sense and psalms chapter ninety seven verse seven says the psalms Says there, all worshippers of image are to put um, are put to shame, who make their bust in worthless idols. Again, we see there the psalmist exposing the futility of busting in worthless idols. But the Bible, at the same time, uses this word in the positive. We just look at uh, one or a couple of verses that helps us see that says there. And uh, like Psalms chapter 34, verse 2, it says, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Notice this, verse 2. My soul boast or oh, my soul makes it boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. You see it again in chapter Psalm 64 verse 10. Let the righteous one rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. Let all the upright and heart exalt, boast glory. So what you see there that the Bible can use this word in any way. And what's so fascinating about this is that when you look at the text we're looking at today, it has both usages here. And there's something that it's going to help us to learn from it. So as you see this, as it's used by the Bible, you notice that Boston in itself essentially is not the problem the problem is the grounds in which one's bust the basis of busting is what determines what kind of busting are you practicing and Jeremiah here shows us that there is an acceptable Busting and detestable busting, and it all depends on the grounds in which one's bust. And the challenge for you and I is that we are inclined to bust in what is detestable rather than in what God approves. So, let's look at these two usages used here. The text here presents two conflicting grounds of busting. One is criticized and the other is approved. One is prohibited and the one is permitted. The first we see here is that, uh, beginning on the first grounds of busting, is God condemns man-centered Busting in verse 23. This is the first busting that Jeremiah shows us.' It's the man-centered busting. and God condemns it. God condemns man-centered busting. Let's look at verse 23, It says, "Let no one, let no man, no wise man, boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty, bo- uh, mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches." So, when you look at how it is written here, look at the focus. It is man's wisdom because it is his wisdom. Do not bust in man's wisdom. Do not bust in man's strength or in man's riches. As much as busting is exhorted among us to do so, this is not the kind of busting. And when you look at this, especially look at, if I draw attention to the wisdom. Now, wisdom is something that we all want. We pray for it, and God wants us to be wise. And why shouldn't we glory in wisdom? Well, in here, it's because the kind of wisdom that these people are busting in is not the kind God approves. And look at me the word itself, wisdom, there has the uh, notion of the ability to judge. And this kind of wisdom of the ability to judge what's right and what's wrong comes from understanding God's truth. And this is basically God's wisdom. But man's wisdom clashes against God's wisdom. And that is, I guess, Apostle Paul even just mentions this a lot. We see that. What Man's wisdom do, as we're going to see here, it undermines God's truth, and it questions the trustworthiness of his word. And one of the heaviest tasks that Jeremiah had was combating these false prophets who were relentlessly questioning God's truth. Like, say, for example, in Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 4, Jeremiah warns the people of Judah. What does he tell them? He says, do not trust in these deceptive words. What deceptive words? Well, it is the word that contended with God's message of the temples of destruction. In chapter 7, verse 11. When you go quickly there. Chapter 7, verses 11. Uh, What you see there, has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, I myself have seen it, declares the Lord. Go now to my place that was in Shalom, where I made my name dwell at the first. And see what I did to it because of the evil of my people, Israel. So, here you go. God speaks through Jeremiah. I am going to destroy this temple. The false prophets comes around. They say, no ways. There's no way you can destroy this temple. This is the temple of the Lord. So they were questioning God's authentic words. And Jeremiah strongly Reminds them and says, this is not going to be the first time he did that, guys. Remember in Samuel, chapter 1 or ch- through chapter 4, where he did destroy his temple at Shiloh. When the Philistines came and they took the ark. And what happened in Those this people trusted in that ark. And that's why they didn't listen to Samuel. Because remember there was a transition of, uh, of, of, of priestly and prophet because for a long time we heard there was no word and then Samuel came in, God started using Samuel as his prophet. But the people did not really regard Samuel as the prophet so they continued to look to the ark. Yeah. So they go to the wall, instead of concerning the prophet, what do they do? They just go grab the ark. Yeah. It never helped them. So Jeremiah takes the book, to remember, guys, this has happened before. So certainly God will do, but you know, see, God's man's wisdom, man's wisdom clashes with Christ and it questions the trustworthiness of God. And so this is the wisdom that these people are busting in. Another example in H Vistan, we see there that the prophets disputed God's judgment with their message with fabricated peace where, you know, God says, I'm going to, you know, judge you and, and, and there's going to be judgment coming and impending on you. Guess what these people promised people? No, 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 no. There'll be peace. There'll be peace. So they give deceitful comfort to the people with questions, uh, which questions God's message of impending doom. In v- chapter 5, thirteen that it says they have spoken falsely of the Lord and have said he will do nothing. You know Jeremiah is the time God prepare your ways. God is coming and he's gonna judge you. The false preface comes he's not gonna do that. He's not gonna destroy the temple and he's definitely not gonna bring the judgment that you're hearing from Jeremiah. And here's what's so striking. And it is also heartbreaking that you can see even today. And this is that the people of Judah themselves loved and embraced these deceptive words. If you look at chapter, I think it's chapter 5, verse 30, it says, An appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. And what is that? The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests look at their direction. My people love to have it so. But what will you do when the end comes? Huh. People are drawn to lies, and they love it, and rather grab to this lie than to the truth. Not something new. We are familiar with this. And you may be here that you are also walking in that road. Easily swayed by lies rather than engaging with the truth. This was the wisdom that these people were busting, full of lies. And Jeremiah tells them, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom because his wisdom is foolish. Because this wisdom contradicted with the very word of God. And as you see there down there, so yet these people claim to be wise. That's what they say. And in Jeremiah chapter 8 verse 9, you can look later there. God denounces their false claim. He says... How could you say you are wise whilst rejecting the counsel of God? Proverbs 1 verse 7, very familiar verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instructions. God's instructions were clear through Jeremiah, but people decided to follow man's wisdom. The only way to gain wisdom is to obey God's instruction, the very thing these people despise. And Jeremiah notices in 5 24, says, They do not say in their heart, Let us fear the Lord, the very thing that brings wisdom. So we see. This is man's wisdom that refuses to hear the word of God, which generates true wisdom. And it is indeed worldly wisdom. And that's what these people are busting in Jeremiah says. Guys, do not bust in your wisdom. Do not glory in the wisdom. Not only in wisdom, but also in strength, it says, mighty. It's all the things, the three essence that, uh, elements that he points out here. They're just things that are easily, um, um, easily desirable and easily swayed to. The word there, the mighty, has the idea of warriors or warriors with the ability to conquer. And in our context, it has a picture of a strong military defense system which includes building Um, and and forts that they had there. Instead of looking to God for strength, they're looking to their fortified cities. But as we have looked at the context here, whatever fortified city or special alliance, which it was also another thing that they could put their trust in instead of God, making alliances, will be of no help to the impending destruction that God has prepared for them. Something familiar also we see here is riches. Do not bust in let rich man bust in his riches. Uh, and it's this could refer to physical properties, you know, being worth or life of abundance. And look all these bests, these are the besses that God is condemning. He's not condemning the rich. He's not condemning the strength. He's not condemning wisdom. He's condemning basis of boasting. If riches is the best for your boasting, for your glory, if wisdom is the basis of your for your glory, if strength is the basis of your glory, or whatever is out there, that is heavily condemned by God it's not something you can put your best for bossing in. man's strength man's wisdom man's riches or any other everything should never be the best of our bossing why because it is all transitory The mindset. What when we do that, what happens is that our mind is not putting life's value in proper perspective as these people were doing. Because remember, God is about to destroy everything. Everything that involves wisdom, that involves Strength that involves riches. Everything will be cleared. And I think when you read Lamentation, you get the picture for. And I think if these people had lived in Lamentation and feel it, and then life reversed back to where Jeremiah was speaking, maybe, I don't know, they could have understood better. But here's what made Jeremiah become a weeping prophet. He lived And the time where he saw this disobedient happening. And he could see the destruction coming. And he lived through that destruction. I mean, how painful can it be when you warn people and you it's like, you know, you're, you're on the island. And you see the wave coming and you tell people Run for your life because the wave is coming and people are running straight into the wave. And you see it all. It was really a difficult ministry for Jeremiah. So as you see there, that Jeremiah had a heavy task. And that is what brought about this grief. Mourning which will see it even more further in Lamentation. Now looking back. He's mourning now for what is about to happen, but then he's gonna mourn of what really has happened. All these things that have been pointed out, these are watery things, things that perish. You can't count on them. Wisdom reaches strength are not bought in themselves. They can be great assets, but when we pursue and exchange the glory of God with these, then we find ourselves embracing that which is perishing. Uh, this is what Jeremiah's people had done. They exchanged the glory of God for what is unprofitable, and he says that in chapter two, verse eleven. The point is, all of this do not matter. It doesn't matter. Well, if all these don't matter, then what matters? That's what we find in the second passage that God, uh, that Jeremiah brings out. And this is that the God-centered busting. God commands God-centered busting. He condemns man-centered busting. He commands God-centered busting. Why? It is what matters. What matters is what God approves, not what man approves. Let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness. Now, notice the emphasis there is on understanding and knowing. This is expressed in contrast to what we have just seen. To those who refuse to know God, who think they're wise. That who are unable to follow his instruction. And places to focus on pursuing a deeper understanding and knowing a knowledge of God. Now understanding has the deal of seeing. It's like to have a mind open, to gain an insight, to make one wise, ironic, you know. You have the first people who are busting in being wisdom, but they are denying the very thing that brings wisdom, but rather than focusing or pursuing this, this is what they are to be boasting. that is they ought to be obeying God. They need to be listening to what Jeremiah is saying and following that. And Jeremiah basically urges them, here's what you need to be boasting. At this time, a very critical time, when things seem to be collapsing, you need to be pursuing God. Basically, that's his point. That which makes worse. And knowing itself has the idea of perceiving to be acquainted, to experience. Understanding and knowing God provides a proper source for true wisdom. So, bust in the fact that you see and perceive who God is and what he does. That's what you need to be pursuing in contrast to the first kind of busting, that is mind-centered. This is something that's focus of God. That means this one it requires, because you know, we always, you know, pray, i pray prayed that prayer. I, pray, I, pray. I want to be wise, you know. We pray, we can pray like for ages. We can pray every day, every meal, whatever. But if we don't do or follow what you know, the source of wisdom, we're not going to get wisdom because we know where wisdom is and the wisdom is the word of God and this is this. And if we don't spend time to hear God's instructions, then we're going to live like these people Jeremiah was speaking about. We're not going to get wisdom. How do you pursue wisdom? You read the scripture and you obey it. You hear the scripture and you obey it. They heard the scripture. They didn't have nothing to do with it, but they wanted wisdom. And Jeremiah says, no, no, no. This is what you need to be focusing on. Pursue this, that you understand it. To understand requires spending time. If you want to understand somebody, you spend time with them. You don't just, you know, kind of virtually or magically get to know them. You spend time with them. Quality time is what helps you to know somebody. Uh, For those who are married, they thought they knew their spouse until they started spending time with them. That's just how it is. So who is God? God, he is God who exercise steadfast love. Steadfast love refers to loving kindness or God's loyal love, faithful love, mercy, and grace, all of that. This character expresses his faithfulness to his covenant people who currently have failed to keep their part in that covenant. Yet, regardless of Judah's failure to keep his side of covenant, what does God do? God continues God continues to remain faithful by showing his grace and mercy to this wicked nation. He warns them. That's grace because they don't deserve to be warned. They deserve punishment right away. And provide opportunity of repentance when they don't deserve it. He provides hope that they don't deserve it. That's how gracious how loving kindness, that for so he is. And he's showing, Luke, you are living that who God is right now. But you're ignoring it. Who is God? He's a God who exercises justice. Justice refers to the idea that God vindicates the innocent and punishes the guilty. We see in Exodus chapter 34, 6, God declares that he will certainly punish the wicked. Now, God in preparing this punishment, this judgment for Israel, all that expresses his justice just to his word. He is justice. And not only that, he's also a God who exercises Righteousness. Righteousness refers to conforming to God's standard, basically. He has set forth His norm in His word. Nobody sets that standard. The church doesn't set the standard. The government doesn't set the standard. Nobody sets the standards. Only God does that. And it cannot be altered. That's why we have to stick to what it says and let that guide us where to go. Because God is righteous, he is able to execute justice perfectly. You know, you and I, you know, we, we feel a sense of wanting to give justice to things around And if you examine how we do it, there is one thing normally that's left out that God has. And that's what we see here. You know what? His justice is different from us because it includes loving kindness. That's God's just, when we are really wanting to give that justice in whatever environment, you know how we do it. (laughs) We just do it. No grace. But for God, as much as He's been violated so aggressively, so bluntly, yet He still patiently gives grace. And you know, all of us sitting here who have trusted in Christ Jesus have experienced that grace when we did not deserve it. When we deserved judgment, when it was I, if I had given it, I would just give judgment. God says, okay, I'll give grace. And this is not just a God who is just, just he practices that. So we experience, we see it. And notice where he does this. He does this, I love this verse at the end, of this. in the earth, he does that on the earth. Not just in the spiritual realm, but down here. That's why we have church, church of believers that have all the common factors. We all have fallen on the mercy of God We have received that mercy, that grace right here. That's why after experiencing, seeing how the goodness of that grace, we are so passionate to see others out there experience the same thing, whatever whatever context it is. So all believers who experience God's steadfast love, justice, and righteousness understand fully why it is a glorious thing to boast in such a great God. David understood and knew this truth. That is why he could shout in Psalm 34, verses 1 and 2, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes boast, makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Not in anything, but in the Lord. Brothers and sisters, let us not be consumed with the world. For all the things of the world must burn and perish at some point. Let our hearts be swept by the love of the true knowledge of God that brings wisdom, that brings true strength, that brings true riches. Let all our blessings be received, that we receive lead us, oh, points us not to ourselves, but to the one who giveth. Paul, as he concludes his letter Galatians chapter 6 verse 14. As opposed to those who were boasting in circumcision in the things of the earth, earthly things, boasting in the flesh, which is worldly, he says, but far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Now, here's the other part that is striking at the end of that 24. For in these things I delight, declares the road. Our duty or life is to pursue that which pleases God and not what pleases ourselves. The bust of the world. Is grounded in praising oneself uh, and self indulgence and self centeredness. But the boast of the rushes, which is the title of this message this morning, is grounded in the pleasures of God. What pleases God? Not what pleases me, not what pleases that person, but what pleases God. That's the boast of the righteous. And these people that Jeremiah was speaking to were heavily overwhelmed, preoccupied by themselves. They didn't want God. But Jeremiah draws them attention focus on God. Focus on God. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful that you can give us your word. And your word is very powerful. I pray that you will help us to really find glory in you and in you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank
0: you, Quach, for that incredible message reminding us of Jeremiah's admonition. And great to think about and what we should boast in as the righteous. You've been challenged, I'm sure, to a great degree. I'm going to give you a moment now privately to reflect on these things. Go to the Lord now privately where you're at. Respond directly to him in the way he has spoken to you this day. Take take a moment now privately where you're at. of jeremiah recounted from by this preacher Quacha, Maybe we hear christ's words in calling us not to boast in ourselves our own strength our own thoughts our own wisdom and our own power and might but in you indeed you delight in it and ultimately we do as well in trusting you and may our hallelujahs ring out And thinking of you and your steadfast love and mercy, your justice and righteousness, yes, even in this place. We're so thankful for who you are and all that you have done. I pray that you will call many sons and daughters to truly delight in you and delight in these aspects and find their hope, trust, and refuge in you. I pray that you bless us and keep us and call us to by the power of your spirit, to delight in praising you in all that we do. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amber, you should quit playing songs that I like. So what number is that song worthy? You are worthy. It's hymn three. Well, I should remember that one. Hymn three, that's not too hard. So, just because I like to shake it up a little bit, and you violinists as well, because you were all ready for something else, weren't you? But that's okay. Why don't we all praise the Lord and sing out about how worthy he is with this hymn. If Jerry come, lead us and close us today. God bless you. Amen. Let's all stand and turn to number three in our hymn. Worthy
4: of Worship. Sing it out.
2: Sermon we've heard this morning, Lord. We just pray that you would help us to continue to dwell on the things that please the Lord. They are not the things of man's desires, Lord, but they are the things that God desires. Father, help us to uh, to think on these things and to perfect them in our lives. And Father, now we pray that may the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Amen and amen. Amen. We're dismissed.